I want to take a second to remind you to sign up for the Poso Daily Brief. It is completely free. It'll be one email that's sent to you every day. You can stop the endless scrolling trying to find out what's going on in your world. We will have this delivered directly to you totally for free. Go to humanevents.com slash Poso. Sign up today. It's called the Poso Daily Brief. Read what I read for show prep. You will not regret it. Humanevents.com slash Poso. Totally free. The Poso Daily Brief. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is May 25th, 2023, Anno Domini, an auspicious occasion. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce you to Human Events' Murderversary Special. Because yes, the BLM homicide spike began three years ago with the start of the George Floyd riots. Next, U.S. officials admitting that Ukraine, ho-ho, was actually behind the Kremlin attack. And finally, South African container ports in collapse as the economic crisis worsens. All this more ahead, Human Events Daily. We begin tonight with a nation already on edge in the coronavirus pandemic as protests turn violent across America. The arrest of a former Minneapolis police officer for the murder of George Floyd, failing to stop another night of rage in that city. The governor fully mobilizing the National Guard for the first time in U.S. history. The protests continuing this evening. These pictures coming in right now from Los Angeles. Police pushing back crowds using batons and firing rubber bullets. A patrol car on fire. And in Philadelphia, police vehicles torched as the crowd swelled. There were similar scenes in several American cities Friday night. An angry group outside the CNN Center in Atlanta, the tense moments you saw right there, playing out on live television. It's Murderversary Day here in America and at Human Events. We really need to make sure that we set aside a day to celebrate the rise in the homicide. And then, by the way, by the way, we don't celebrate death. No, no, no. We don't celebrate killing. No, no, no. But, but. We want to celebrate the efforts of Black Lives Matter. Of course, the incredible efforts of Black Lives Matter, we cherish and adore and support so hard. I'm just, I'm just so filled with support for Black Lives Matter right now. Can you see it? Can you see the, the level of, full of support that I have? Well, you know, it's, it's actually kind of sad because according to Newsweek.com, this is very strange. I don't understand a headline, it says Black Lives Matter risks going bankrupt. Uh, they ran an 8.5 million deficit last year. The Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation saw the value of investment accounts fall by about 10 million, according to a copy of their tax return. This loss of over $961,000, nearly a million dollars, was uh, there was a security sale that didn't go very well for them. Uh, now, keep in mind, this was the foundation set up by Black Lives Matter in the wake of the acquittal of George Zimmerman uh, for the killing of the 17-year-old Trayvon Martin. It's not the only organization, but it is the most well-known one. Uh, donations, we know, of course, spiked three years ago today with the start of the George Floyd riots. Remember, you know, the George Floyd riots that we're told never happened. We're told that they were mostly peaceful protests, and it was just an outpouring of love, an outpouring of care in Seattle. For example, in Chaz, where I visited, they had what Mayor Jenny Durkin called the summer of love. It only only led to 
several mass shootings, I think three mass shootings, the murders that took place there. But, you know, of, of all the, the dozens and dozens of people that were killed in the George Floyd riots, the most destructive riots in American history, we do also have to look at the effect that the murder rate has had. And that's why we're calling today the murderversary of Black Lives Matter. According to the Washington Examiner, the rate of black homicide victims has returned to 1990s levels. The gun murder rate of black victims has risen back, risen back to 1990s levels. The surge in homicides hit black communities hardest with data showing that there were around 55 black men killed by firearms per 100,000, the highest rate since the mid-90s. Before 2020, that number was about 35 per 100,000. So these are the homicide rates. The crime surge has been a massive concern in black communities, with 81% of registered black voters saying crime was very important to their vote in the midterms. Uh, the problem with this, of course, is that when you when you break it out, the white homicide rate is still very low. The Hispanic uh, murder rate, homicide rate, it's rising, but it's still very, very low. But the black homicide rate all the way back up to those 1990 levels that we've seen before. And the Wall Street Journal has reported this. Uh, other sources have reported this out there. And so the question for all of it, JAMA, the JAMA network has a piece up on it. And so the piece for all of us here, uh, this is, of course, the fatality rate that we're seeing. The question for us is why hasn't Black Lives Matter done anything about this racial reckoning? Why are they going bankrupt when it seems as though the reason for their existence, the very reason that they exist at all, is actually increasing and, strangely enough, has increased over the course of time that Black Lives Matter has existed. I can't put my finger on it. Let's go to the geniuses at the New York Times. So we've got a piece on the New York Times by Thomas Edsult, a weekly columnist from Washington, D.C., who writes uh, opinion columns on politics, demographics, and inequality. And he wrote, America has become both, both more and less dangerous since Black Lives Matter. What in God's name could that possibly mean? Well, it, it shows that uh, the protests that have been held, the effect on, quote, police lethal use of force has gone down. Okay. Oh, I see. So that Black Lives Matter has made the police less interested in policing and less likely to use force when conducting their jobs. Okay, great. So does that mean, though, is, I mean, that's, that's wonderful. That's right. You know, uh, people are being killed less. Uh, fewer people are dying in the streets. You know, this, this, is, this is good, right? Uh, obviously, this, this should be a good thing. But however, in his paper, so it's going through this, uh, this paper um, by, by Travis Campbell, an economics professor at the Southern Oregon University, Black Lives Matter effect on police lethal use of violence. Campbell noted in his paper, however, these gains came with some cost. Total reported homicides increased by 12% over the five years following the BLM protests, with, which is consistent with rising crime. That increase amounted to over 3,000 homicides. So 200 fewer lethal police shootings that he can see but thousands more additional civilian homicides, raising questions about, quote, the social welfare implications of the BLM protests. 
when thousands more people are dying, all we can say is today is the murderversary of BLM. All right, I want to tell you guys about my friends, our friends over at My Patriot Supply. They are now offering a special deal for human events listeners that when you go to buy three months of their emergency food kit, that is one kit for three months, it lasts for up to 25 years in storage. You can now, if you order it today at MyPatriotSupply.com, you will save $200 per kit. This comes with fast and free shipping. It will be completely innocuous. They're not going to be labeling it. They're not going to be putting stuff out there. So, you know, the nosy neighbors can see the, you know, the folks around that just can't seem to mind their own business. No, you'll be totally fine. And I, I take my advice. I know there's a lot of road trips coming up this summer. People are looking at different vacation, uh, you know, options, things they can do. When you're on the road, you never know when something's going to happen to your car. Maybe you've got a rental car. Maybe you're borrowing a car to drive long distances. You never know when you could run into trouble. Have a My Patriot Supply Kit right in the back of your trunk so that when disaster strikes, because we know it will, we just don't know when, that you and your family will be taken care of. MyPatriotSupply.com. Russia is accusing the U.S. of being involved in a drone attack on the Kremlin, something the U.S. denies. State media released these videos of drones exploding above the Kremlin's iconic domes yesterday, accusing Ukraine of trying to assassinate Vladimir Putin, who was not there at the time. President Volodymyr Zelensky strongly denies any Ukrainian involvement. This morning, Russian forces launched a complex airstrike on Kyiv. No injuries there were reported. Well, 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 do you remember back when this story first broke? Because I certainly do over at Human Events Daily. And I remember how we described what happened at the Kremlin. Because I remember when this Kremlin drone, this completely insane drone attack took place on the Kremlin. We went next level. We said, imagine what it would feel like if the White House was under attack. We talked about the iconography of the Kremlin being struck. And we said, think about what, how you felt, if you remember, the 9-11 strikes. When an iconic part of your country is under attack, think of how you would react. Think of how you would want your government to react. And we were told at the time, they said, Human Events Daily is out there. They're causing panic. They're causing fear. They're spreading fake news because we know that this was a, a Russian false flag attack. And I said, that didn't make any sense. Why would the Russians attack their own iconic infrastructure, their own iconic building, their leaders? This is like, this is basically the Russian White House. Why would they ever do that on their own? Sure. Am I going to say the Russians would never do a false flag attack ever? No, of course. But you wouldn't do it on your own stop, your own iconic central government location, which is associated with being an absolute national monument. It's insane to think so. But let's go look at who thought of this. Anders Osland. My article in the New York Post today, I argue that the alleged drone strike on the Kremlin looks like a false flag attack instigated by the Russians because the evidence does not hang together. Everybody knows that Putin does not sleep in the Kremlin. Uh, okay. 
everybody knows, but apparently you didn't know that it was that it was an actual attack. Um, Sergei Smuleni thread. I think the Kremlin UAV attack is a false flag. Here's why. Several videos in high quality and color appeared from CCTV cameras. All CCTV cams around the Kremlin are under full Kremlin control. Nobody may leak them without permission. The Kremlin wants us to see it. Okay, but follow your line of thinking there. You're assuming that it's a false flag attack and that they wouldn't want us, that they want us to see it because it's a false flag attack. And you're also assuming that there's no other possible reason that the Russians would want to show this footage. Like, I don't know, for example, rallying the people to the war effort because you were just attacked in your central capital. Just, you know, possible, (laughs) possible examples. Rick Wilson, just saying it now, that Kremlin attack is the fake, uh, I'm not gonna say that word, sexual word of false flags, okay? And then, of course, Christopher Steele. Don't we love Christopher Steele? Yes, literally that Christopher Steele, as in the Steele dossier, Christopher Steele. After what is most likely a false flag drone attack on the Kremlin carried out by Russian intelligence, ex-president Medvedev is openly advocating for the elimination of President Zelensky. This would surely be a war crime, and if attempted, lay to his indictment by the ICC. I love how he, I love how he throws in the acronyms there where he's like, He's like, oh, the ICC. Like, you know, you can't just say International Criminal Court or, or International Law. No, the ICC. Like, you're, it's very British, but it's also, you know, throwing out those, like, there's like, it's 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 an appeal to authority. It's using jargon. It's acting as if you're smarter than you are. It's, it's, it's so bad. It's so bad. But my favorite one of all, got to say, my favorite one of all is Stolen Valor Malcolm Nance. Malcolm Nance. Kremlin drone attack! I say it's false flag propaganda operation. Putin claims it's electronic countermeasures brought down two drones almost right over Red Square. Really? No Russian anti-aircraft systems across all of Russia saw them or engaged. Sorry, but Ukraine would strike in the middle of May Day Parade, not waste time and resources on this. And then, of course, you see the headline. Ukrainians were likely behind Kremlin drone attack. U.S. officials say American spy agencies do not know exactly who carried out the attack this month, but suggested it was part of a series of covert operations orchestrated by Russia or Ukraine security forces. Look, is it really that hard to think? I mean, just 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 go with me on this. Is it really that hard to think that the Ukrainians keep in mind they've already attacked they attacked the Crimea Bridge? All right, they were able to get explosives into Russia, okay, you know, through a third nation into Russia on a truck which is then later remotely detonated specifically over uh, a portion, this one trestle of the bridge going into Crimea, across the Kerch Strait, into Crimea, where it was weakest. And then it took weeks for the Russians to be able to repair this thing. They showed they were able to do that. Look, Russia's got a massive land border with Ukraine, a a massive land border with a number of other countries in Central Asia. It's got a massive land border with Belarus. There are ways to get stuff across that border. There just are. And in a chaotic environment like this, if you're willing to do so surreptitiously, yeah, it's possible. There was even a a pro-Russian, pro-war blogger who was assassinated in St. Petersburg just a couple of weeks ago in like a cafe or something. So the idea that it would be impossible to get drones in, well, obviously this is highly sensitive operation. No, it's, it's absolutely not impossible in wartime for this to happen. You get the drones in, you get the explosives, and then you try to get in as close as you can. And so it just goes to show you that the entire mainstream media was completely wrong. But here at Human Events, 
and told you the truth. Folks, when we're talking about the escalation into World War III, when we're talking about the horrific effects around the world, we don't always have an ability to control them. So we certainly try to here. But what you can do is secure your financial stability and your family's financial stability. One of the ways you can do that is precious metals. So let me tell you about my friends over at Allegiance Gold. If you're interested, you can now get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase at Allegiance Gold when you visit protectwithposo.com. Not only is it a hedge against the insane Biden inflation, and we know that that debt limit is going to be raised. So they are going to continue the spending. They're going to continue the printing absolutely into oblivion. What can you do about that? Protect your family. Visit protectwithposo.com today. Well, South Africa is in the middle of an electricity crisis after the country's power utility ramped up power cuts. The rolling blackouts have had a devastating effect on the economy and are also raising widespread concerns for public safety. Hours equivalent to more than 130 days. That's four full months this year alone with no power. South Africa is in the throes of an electricity crisis. And with some of the worst inner city crime rates in the world, the lack of light is lethal. Because it's dark and we've got more robberies that are happening, we've got more burglaries that are happening, we've got more complaints that are just coming in. A record number of assault cases have been reported to the police. In the worst year of blackout so far, the dark corners have become a cover for criminals. So I got to tell you, South Africa, I feel for you. I really feel for you because it looks like things down there are actually getting worse. You know, interestingly enough, I had when we were over in Budapest, we actually had somebody from South Africa. I'm not going to name names, but he came up to me at the event, said that he was a human events listener. Uh, he made made a joke about promo code Tanya, which I'm definitely going to hold against him. Uh, but he said that we were exactly right on South Africa and to keep talking about what we're talking about. Because what you see in South Africa is 25 years ahead of where the left will take this country absolutely to the bottom, to collapse, an absolute state of collapse, if we continue on our current path. How did this happen? Because South Africa, back in the 1990s, and go back to our episode where we talked about this, we had to pull up on like the CNN archives that Nelson Mandela, working with the Clinton administration, wrote critical race theory and racial quotas into South Africa's constitution. Because they did that, there are now racial quota laws for every single level of South Africa's industry, their infrastructure, their government, their economy, all of it. So what do we see today? Now, we talked about last time the blackout crisis. We talked about the fact that gangs were stealing copper from power stations so that they could sell it on the black market. And that was one of the many things that was leading to the massive power outages. A country that doesn't have electricity for up to nine hours a day, sometimes even more in certain areas. Ginormous blackouts. But listen to this. This is from Zero Hedge. 
The economic crisis in South Africa worsened this year with rolling blackouts contributing to the problem. This week, the situation was exacerbated when organized crime gangs targeted the rail infrastructure connecting the nation's wealthiest province with a top container port, causing widespread disruptions in trade. Taking all these factors into account, the African National Congress, a social democratic political party in the country, warned that South Africa is now in danger of becoming a failed state. Remember, when apartheid ended, South Africa was handed over one of the most pristine governments, one of the most pristine countries in all of Africa. That's where Elon Musk is from. You notice Elon Musk doesn't, uh, didn't seem to want to set up SpaceX or Tesla or any of these companies back home in South Africa. Seems like he's pretty happy with being in the United States. Gee, I wonder why that is. Why is it that Elon Musk didn't say, you know, I want to go back to Johannesburg, to Pretoria. That's where I want to set up my launch pad. Maybe it's because he didn't want the gangs coming in and stealing the copper from the power terminals. What is this? Imagine Tesla sites. We should actually look that up, by the way, because you know how they have those Tesla, they have the recharging stations that are all around, right? How many of those do they actually have in South Africa? Because I got to tell you, it sounds like if what we're reading is true about this with the power lines, that they're going to be, they would steal all of those as well. So I want to look that up. Producers, everyone at Human Events, we need to check that out. Armed gangs are attacking South Africa's state-owned infrastructures, disrupting electricity generating plants to rate uh, freight rail lines. The container rail line between Durban and Gutenag isn't resolved promptly. This may dent trade with other nations. The security incidents might force some companies to do business elsewhere. Trains are now being stuck because the power lines and the power stations that are being attacked are the ones that run the trade in South Africa. That's how powerful the gangs are. That's why the government, for whatever reason, won't do anything about safety, won't do anything about actually righting the wrongs, won't run their country properly. And here we go. From the this, this isn't me. This isn't even me, okay? And I remember when I put this out, all the South Africa libs were like going crazy on us. When we cut that promo in South Africa a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was a couple months ago at this point, when I said, they are, they are in danger of becoming a failed state because they wrote critical race theory into their constitution. Here we go. From the African National Congress Secretary General, Fikele Mumbala. If certain things are not resolved, we will become a failed state. But we are not journeying towards that direction. He warned in an interview with the BBC. The economic crisis has sent the unofficial or the official, the official unemployment rate in South Africa right now is 33%. 33%. That is the highest unemployment rate in the entire world. So you see, it all starts out with sparkles and rainbows and glamour. We are going to right the wrongs of the past. We're going to introduce racial quotas. We're going to make the world a better place for everyone. We're going to get away from merit. We're going to get away from this idea that the best person for the job will be the person for the job. No, 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 no. 
we're going to make it so that people have, what's that word? Equity. We're going to make it so that people can have the right representation. We need to make sure that the distribution of outcomes matches the distribution of races and genders and, and you know, gender identities too now. Well, the problem with that, and, and, and sure, doesn't that sound great? Doesn't that sound just wonderful? Don't we want the world to be equal place? Here's the problem. Because race communism never works the same reason that communism never works. Because while we do believe in the equality of rights, you will never be able to force the equality of outcomes. At least not in the way you want. Because when you look at it, we do have equality of outcomes now in South Africa. Everyone is equally without power. Everyone is equally without work. Now they're apparently equally without trade. You will be equally failed under racial communism the same way you are under old school communism. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay a short.